2: Bright orange. You know how much I love orange, but I did not love that damn sign reflecting on my living room wall for months. I've never called the town to complain about anything before, but it was, it was time. I had to. And they came through. Good little town that I live in. Actually, that was my old house that I rented. Sometimes I pinch myself and I think... If I hadn't purchased my house when I did in spring of 2020, I would now be paying probably double in rent and wouldn't be able to afford to buy a house. Not to mention, there are almost no houses available in my neighborhood. Man, that timing could not have been any better. Whew. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can vote for TD of the Week. It's now up on Twitter, A Law Radio, as well as our Facebook page. Our phone number, 855 212 4227. Week 8 in the NFL, there's a lot to process still. But sometimes coming out of an NFL weekend, I feel like I've been so immersed in the National Football League that I had no time to think about anything else. So I do want to get off the NFL pass just a little bit. For instance, uh, for those of you who follow college football, you know that there were some suspensions handed down uh, in the Michigan-Michigan State football fight that took place in the tunnel after their game on Saturday. So I want you to hear from Jim Harbaugh as well as others who are involved in this. Um, And so we'll do that this hour. Plus, there's a little bit of basketball that we should get to. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. When it comes to the Kyrie Irving situation, I've thought about it. I've tried to process as much as I can. I'm not real comfortable, nor do I think it's smart journalism to be talking about a piece, whether it be a book or in this case, a movie, a documentary that I have not seen. I can't process it myself. I don't intend to watch it. I don't like the title, but I, I feel as though I should be careful what I say because I have not seen the movie, nor am I familiar with the book. Um, so and, and I wonder how many people who are weighing in and commenting uh, have actually seen the movie or read the book, and so I I don't want to get into that type of quote unquote journalism. Oh my gosh, on uh, NFL Network right now, Boomer Esiason on the couch in his underwear. I swear, now I can't get away from it. It's everywhere. Any, anyway, um, I know that people want me to comment. And of course, in no way, shape, or form do I think discrimination is okay. I don't think prejudice is okay. Uh, as someone who is a Christian, I recognize the value of the Hebrew tradition and the Hebrew culture, uh, and I think anti-Semitism is it's it's cruel and it and I don't understand it. I never will. As the United States of America, we have aligned ourselves with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people for years. And so I, I of course, would never tell you that it's okay to be spouting views that discriminate against any group of people, but in terms of commenting specifically on what Kyrie posted on his social media, I can't because I have not watched it, nor will I. But I do recognize that it has upset a lot of people and offended a lot of people and I know that the Nets are receiving a ton of criticism and backlash, as is the NBA. So we'll let you hear from Steve Nash. Um, and, And that's just part of what's happening with the Nets right now. Certainly basketball is not quite as important, but they desperately needed a win. And then how about... Major League Baseball. We were supposed to be talking about Game 3 of the World Series. Jay, this is insane, right? We go six days in between the end of the Championship Series and the start of the World Series. We have Friday-Saturday games in the World Series. It turns into a split, so some pretty incredible moments for both the Phillies and the Houston Astros. We have a break for Sunday football and a travel day. We're supposed to get back to the Fall Classic on Monday. It gets rained out hours before the first pitch was scheduled to be thrown, which I think is smart of Major League Baseball. And both Jay and I were obviously not in the Philadelphia area, but we are just a few uh, miles up the Interstate 95 corridor. And as we were driving into New York City, which is where our studios are located, we were in the monsoon as well. So it definitely was a lot of rain. I'm glad they canceled it. But it's just weird. It's like baseball was there, and then it wasn't. And it wasn't, and it wasn't. Then it was back for a couple of nights during the weekend, and then it was gone again. This is very odd. This is cannot be what Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball was hoping for.
3: No, it's, it's, it's almost like, and we even had good games over the weekend, too. Like, game one with the Phillies' comeback was mm-hmm. an incredible game. Game two. And it just feels like any of that momentum that it did pick up after that long break has just kind of been shot down again.
2: Yes. It's... Right, so we will definitely uh, talk about baseball, and I know it changes things for the Phillies starting rotation, or it could change things for the the Phillies starting rotation, because Noah Syndergaard was supposed to be out there uh, for the start of Game 3 for the Phillies against Lance McCullers of the Astros, and now here is the schedule. Game 3 is set on Tuesday, game four, Wednesday, game five, Thursday. This is what baseball was trying to avoid, is going head-to-head with the NFL. Do you know what the Thursday night football game is? Do you want to go ahead and check that for me so I know what it is? Um... Oh, actually, it's Houston. Isn't it Houston and Philadelphia?
3: It is Philadelphia and Houston. Oh, my God. That
2: is crazy. Okay, that's totally crazy, but I remember seeing it on social. So, yeah, the poor Phillies and Astros fans, so Philadelphia and Houston sports fans have got to go back and forth, which, whatever, it's not a a new thing. It's not the only fan base ever to have to do this. But, yeah, that's pretty crazy is that in Philadelphia, you'll have Game 3 or Game 5, excuse me, of the World Series. In Houston, you'll have Thursday Night Football. What it does, though, is it forces the local cable channels to pick, right? So both the – so okay, so in Houston and in Philadelphia, you don't have to use Amazon Prime. The local broadcasts are still available. Uh, So the NFL's deal with Amazon Prime, while it's exclusive for the national broadcast, in the local markets, you still get – the game on your local affiliate if you are in either, in this case, Houston or Philadelphia. So it's actually forcing the, the Houston TV market to have to choose one or the other, and they have to move things around because there's a conflict uh, on Fox which is obviously what carries the world series. So it's it's right, just a, it's yeah. it's all kinds of messy, but I think that's so incredible. What are the chances that that would happen, right? That you'd have Houston and Philadelphia in the World Series on a night when Houston and Philadelphia are playing in football.
3: Somehow the NFL knew this and <laughs> set this up
2: some I don't know no. how. <laughs> are you suggesting that the World Series was rigged to be Houston and Philadelphia going back to May I Don't, don't start conspiracy theories like that. Don't do it. Anyway, here's the part that I don't love for baseball. So it's it's this is, be, is worst case scenario for baseball except that it would be the best case scenario if it goes to game 7. Of course that's what baseball would love. It's more tension, it's more drama, it's more entertainment, it's obviously more games on TV uh, because that's how they make their money in postseason. But if it's game seven, it would be in Houston. Now, I know the Texans won't be playing, but the rest of the freaking world will be watching football. So especially if they now if they hold true to form, which has been to throw the first pitch, at 8.03 Philadelphia time, 7.03 Houston time. So if they hold to that form and they stick with that first pitch time all the way through the World Series, as opposed to moving it up, they will literally be throwing in the first inning at the same time that Sunday night football kicks off. And you and I looked at Sunday night football, and it's it's a game that will have national attention, of course.
3: It's Patrick Mahomes. Right, it's Patrick Titans Mahomes Chiefs. is a,
2: it's a magnet. He's a magnet, yeah. So, and the fact that the Titans have won five games in a row, and it's a battle of two of the best teams in the AFC. I mean, this is a big deal, and so it's weird. What would you say? I hope it. So, that, I've never said this before in my life that I hope a series doesn't go to Game Seven, but it's. It's almost impossible to be able to concentrate on both at the same time. I'm constantly using a DVR and rolling back on what I wasn't watching live, and I'd be doing it for both baseball and football, as I've done throughout October. But I, I don't know. I, I would rather have it end on Saturday. However, it ends, I'd rather have it end on Saturday so I can spend more attention on it.
3: Yeah, same. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure of the college slate this weekend for the Saturday night games. I know if you know if people are interested in those. But I would prefer the baseball game to be a game six standalone, have it ending there so it can kind of have the attention because it's not going to put up any sort of fight against the Chiefs or Sunday football. It's just not. Yeah.
2: uh, No, it's not. And really, it could be a terrible game and it still would lose in the ratings battle. Um, I'm sorry. Baseball would still lose in the ratings battle to the NFL. That's just where we are in that. That's how the ratings are. The ratings bore that out every single year. Do you know that during the preseason, there are crappy preseason games in which starters are not playing, and they outdraw viewers over regular season baseball games?
3: Doesn't surprise me. No. Do you think if the game, say the Sunday Night Football game, is kind of a Chiefs... Route in the early third quarter and you look at the baseball game and it's 2-2 going into the sixth, seventh inning. Would that even sway well, the conversation? yeah, I
2: think people would move over maybe if they recognize that it's going on. But that's the weird thing about baseball right now is that there's almost no buzz. We, yeah. we could play the game of buzz or no buzz. There's tremendous buzz around the NFL and, of course, around the Chiefs. They'll be coming off a bye, too, which is huge. But there's no buzz around baseball.
3: It would take an absolute perfect scenario of a tight G- game 7, you know, going Ugh. to the end of the game for someone to even think about putting the baseball game on. A Game 7 in the World Series would have to be the perfect situation. Yeah. To
2: f- I want there to be buzz around baseball, but the way these dates worked out and the week off in between the Championship Series and the World Series and then having Games 1 and 2 on Friday and Saturday, especially Halloween weekend when people have parties and they are out and it was gorgeous weather in many parts of the country. I just... Yeah. I, I hate for baseball that this is how it's played out, but this is the situation they created. Everything's later because they started a week later uh, with the lockout, and everything got bumped back, and then they added games in the wild card round, right? And so it's just... Then they hurt themselves. They could have started the World Series earlier, but they've already been locked into dates because they were thinking the championship series might go seven, and they didn't. One was four games in a sweep, and one was five games. So it's it's definitely... Not optimal for baseball. I, I I know game sevens, there's nothing better in sports. And those of us who are total nerds, we'd figure out a way to pay attention. Plus, Houston and Philadelphia, because their football teams won't be playing. But I think nationally, it won't resonate up against the NFL and the NFL Sunday. It's after hours. With Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, uh, certainly the Astros, having been in this position before in four of the last six World Series, they recognize the importance of Game Three. There are stats out there that underscore this point that Alex Bregman makes. This is critical in Philadelphia now, Tuesday for Game Three.
4: I feel like every game in the World Series is is a necessary game to try and win, and um, dude, they have an unbelievable team over there. Um, All around, great pitching, um, great offense. So um, we got to try and win every single time we can.
2: Well, duh. And do you all remember how it's gone, the last two series for the Phillies, when they've made it back home to Citizens Bank Park, they call it the bank, with a series tied 1-1. In the NLDS against the rival Atlanta Braves, it was 1-1. They took... I think it was the first game in Atlanta. And then they won their two games in Philadelphia. Series never went back to Truist Park. In the NLCS, it was the Phillies. It was the Padres. They split in San Diego. Once again, Phillies grabbed the opener. Padres won the second game. They went back to Philadelphia 1 1. Phillies swept. Games three, four, and five. Just like that, series over. Never returns to San Diego. So here we are again, familiar for the Philadelphia Phillies. Recognizing that they have the opportunity to end the series. Now, that's a tall order. The Astros are obviously the best game, the best opponent that they've played. The Astros are the best team in baseball. Phillies are the hottest team in baseball. Astros are the best team in baseball. And so to think about the way the Phillies might be able to finagle their pitching now because they've pushed back. So Thursday, it was supposed to be a travel day. Instead, baseball's now pushed game six and seven. The travel day will come on Friday. So everything's been pushed back a day, which means if they want to try to come back with pitchers on short, short rest or if they want to a skip Noah Syndergaard, it seems like they will in favor of Ranger Suarez, then you'll have Aaron Nola back in game four, Syndergaard potentially in a game five, and so that Zach Wheeler could pitch in game six if necessary. But it's a little convoluted. You have to make decisions as you see how the series goes. There's a lot of talk about Zach Wheeler and the drop in philosophy. Oh, philosophy. oh my gosh. That, too. The drop in velocity. <laughs> okay. It's the morning after the end of the NFL season. Just cut me some slack. <laughs> all right. I just need to stop talking now because it's it's uh, it's all jumbled up in my brain. But there are infinite possibilities when it comes to the pitching because Noah Syndergaard could get pushed back or he could get skipped altogether altogether. But with Zach Wheeler, the questions about his velocity and his philosophies on life. Are they nervous about bringing him back without the rest that he needs? Would they prefer to push him back, allow Syndergaard to go there in game number five, potentially, so that Zach Wheeler has more time to rest the arm? Rob Manfred recognizes that it's a challenge to have a game five on Thursday night when there's also a football game that features these two fan bases.
1: For the World Series, an important consideration for us is having the biggest audience we can possibly get. And um, that's a primetime audience. That's
2: What happened? That's the cut. In the middle of a sentence? <laughs> Wait, what happened? Really? That's all you found? Let me play it again. Okay.
3: For the
1: World Series, an important consideration for us is having the biggest audience we can possibly get. and um, That's a primetime audience. That's-
2: okay. What was coming after that? Any idea?
3: No idea what came after that. But the idea was just that He's going up against the NFL saying that's the prime time audience. Everyone's going to be watching their TVs and thinking that the World Series in baseball is going to put up a fight.
2: Okay. But he was going to say something else because he said that. <laughs>
3: <What>? <laughs> I, I mean, I just found it in like two seconds. I mean, I'm trying out.
2: Here. Did you find it on Twitter? Where'd you find it?
3: Yeah, that was on Twitter.
2: Oh, so somebody else cut it off. Right. Dang it. That's really bad audio practicing. Uh, Let's see. Manfred goes on to say, we think we have a great product that fans want to see, and we're going to put the games on when it makes sense to play the games, and we hope we get a good audience. Hope is now baseball's strategy. (laughs) All right, so baseball, baseball, And the possibilities, we don't really know how it's going to play out. But honestly, I hope for their sakes that they don't have a Game 7 on Sunday, which sounds very weird to say. I get you. It sounds very weird to say. But here's what we know. Tuesday night, Lance McCullers versus Ranger Suarez. So he takes over where Syndergaard was scheduled to start in Game 3. And then on Wednesday in Game 4, Christian Javier for the Houston Astros and Aaron Nola, who started the opener. Uh, he actually gave up the five runs to the Astros before the Phillies rallied back. It will be the, those two who are matching up in Game Number 4 on Wednesday. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts now. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
5: You are listening to the After Okay. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Hours Podcast.
1: Into the front court. KD cut off by heel. Backs up behind the arc. Now isolated. One-on-one. Takes him left to the baseline with a fadeaway. It's good for KD. He's got 30. Durant 101 with Halliburton, Takes him left, drives to the lane, to the rim, and he scores on a left-hand lay-in. 34 for Kevin Durant. Clear out. They get it to Durant, left of the lane. Back it in, out to Kyrie. Pump fake, takes a pass in the lane with a runner, and it's good for Kyrie Irving. 28 for Irving. 114-109, Nets, 40 seconds to go in the game. Final seconds will tick away. Pacers are not fouling. And the Nets will get a much-needed victory here in Brooklyn. The final score, the Nets 116, Indiana 109. A treat for the Nets here on Halloween night. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: The Nets definitely needed that on the court and maybe a little bit off the court as well. Chris Carino on Nets Radio: 28.6 rebounds, six assists for Kyrie Irving, and Steve Nash was thrilled. I mean, he's gotten in their faces. He's tried to uh, turn up the heat a little bit to just to get this win and maybe take some of the pressure off. Is huge.
6: It was very important for us to get a get a response. You know, the the win is nice. Um, you know, but I care much more about the process. And I thought our process was great. Our spirit was great. We were connected played hard, were willing to do the extra things, the little things, you know, especially at the end. We had a tired group at the end there, guys playing a lot of minutes and and playing a team that flies around, you know, played with pace and fly around, and they stuck with it, stuck with the task, played for each other, um, you know, rebounded the ball better and, uh, and did so many things better, so really proud of the group's effort the sense of urgency was there guys know and respected this team and we knew they can get hot on us Wish they did there a couple spurs throughout the game but we stayed poised in the league now teams can run off hit a couple threes timely threes and get back into the game so i think we uh we did a good job of keeping them in front of us and we was able to get a win
2: no ben simmons on monday it's way too early in the season for ben to be scratched because of injuries but left knee soreness And Nash said that's all he really knows. They're not sure if he will be available for Tuesday's game against the Chicago Bulls. No Kyrie Irving speaking to the media after the game. The Nets did not make him available. And according to a spokesperson, they don't know yet if he'll be available after the game against the Bulls on Tuesday either. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio So when it comes to this Kyrie Irving situation and what he initially put on Twitter going back to Thursday, it's now been deleted. So on Sunday night, he deleted the post. It was a link to the movie Hebrews to I I can't even say the word. I don't I don't like the word. It's not the N word that. We, no one should ever be saying, but it's another N-word to describe black people, and I, I don't like it. Anyway, he tweeted the the link to a movie, and the subtitle is Wake Up Black America, and I have not seen the movie. I would never watch a movie like this, and I've not, I've not read the book that it's based on either, not familiar with either one of those things, but certainly there was a lot of backlash and a lot of reaction to it. We've seen sponsors and partners of the NBA and the Nets come out and denounce any type of anti-Semitism or discrimination, which according to the people who know about the book and the movie, there are threads and there are uh, shades and maybe overt. Like I said, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about something I haven't read or seen. Um, But again, people are upset because they believe the movie and the book are anti-Semitic. And so you had sponsors coming out with statements, the Nets coming out with a statement, the NBA coming out with a statement. But as of the weekend, Kyrie was was not changing his stance, nor was he ready to apologize.
4: Um, it's not about educating yourself on what Semitism is and what anti-Semitism is. It's really about learning the root words of where these come from and understanding that this is an African heritage that is also belonging to the people. Africa is in it whether we want to dismiss it or not. So the claims of anti-Semitism and who are the original chosen people of God and we go into these religious conversations and it's a big no-no. What I post does not mean that I support everything that's being said or everything that's being done or I'm campaigning for anything. All I do is post things for my people and my community and those that it's actually gonna impact. Anybody else that has criticism and obviously wasn't meant for them, there's things being posted every day. I'm no different than the next human being so don't treat me any different. You guys come in here and make up this powerful influence I have over top of the adultery of me. Oh, you you cannot post that. Why not? Why not? I don't hear uproar of that.
2: What did he say? I actually never, I heard the other part over the weekend, but I have no idea what he said there. I'll have to look up the quote. Anyway, I, I there's things about this that I disagree with. Number one, um, he is different. He's treated differently because he's different. He's not a guy who has five followers on his social media. He is a, a basketball player in the NBA who's won a championship, who's played with LeBron, who's been around for a long time. Now he's in the New York City market, and he has a massive following. And he has to recognize there's a responsibility that comes with that. And I'm pretty sure he does because what he talks about is speaking to his community. And, and by his community, he means African-Americans. So he he he's talking out of both sides of his mouth there by saying that he should be treated the same as everyone else. Well, okay, but you can't have that. And then use your massive reach and platform and brand to promote or share. And in this case, he says he's sharing books, movies, quotes, photos, songs that you think are important for the African-American community. And put that on yourself, but say, then you have to treat me like everybody else. You're not everybody else. You're Kyrie Irving. And I'll just say one more time. I don't know what's in the movie. I don't know what's in the book. But I certainly understand why people are upset about it. And there were, I don't even necessarily want to call them protesters, but there were groups of men and women who sat courtside near this game against the Pacers on Monday night, and they were wearing T-shirts that said fight anti-Semitism. There's a net season ticket holder who is speaking out. He's Jewish and he believes that Kyrie should be suspended. I understand what Kyrie's saying. And honestly, this is a debate I have with myself sometimes. What do I share? Sharing on social media is not necessarily an endorsement. Sometimes it's just because I want other people to see it. Sometimes it's the opposite of an endorsement. I'm sharing it because I can't believe that it's out there and because I think more people should know about what is being put on Twitter and Facebook. People ask me all the time to share links to GoFundMe accounts. Do you know why I never do it? One of the reasons is because I don't know what these people have on their social media. And this is what happens in 2022. When you get your 15 seconds of fame, people dig into your background, they go back and look at your social media, and I'm very wary of sharing or even responding to people on social because I don't know what else they have on their pages or on their feeds. It's it's a very slippery slope. Is Kyrie Irving responsible for everything that's in that movie? No, it's not his movie and it's not his book. He said he did it because he believes that it's important for his community, again, African Americans, to be educated. It's important for people to see other viewpoints. Doesn't that fall under freedom of speech? Again, I'll be the first to tell you, discrimination against Jewish people, against the Hebrew nation, against Israelites, I am just as much against that as they am against any kind of discrimination for race or for religion. As someone who has been reading the Bible and understands the, the heritage and the discrimination that the, the Hebrew people and the Israelites have experienced for decades and generations, I think that anti-Semitism is disgusting, just as g- disgusting as racism against black people or against Hispanics. Any kind of discrimination based on race or skin color or religion or, in this case, your heritage, all of that is wrong. But I don't know that we should automatically assume that Kyrie is promoting it. However, it is a slippery slope because he is responsible for what he puts out there. And in many cases, the conclusion that people jump to The the way that this mob mentality generates all of its anger and its outrage is because if you share something like this on your social, you're automatically connected with it. And the assumption is out there, you must agree with it, right? And if you share it, that means that you support it. And Kyrie tried to say that's not the case. I just think it's important to see other views. I think this is important for my people, that's what he said, to see it. When you're Kyrie Irving, you're a famous athlete or celebrity, you can't control the reaction. And that's why this is how I approach it. Wherever the line is, I step back a good six, seven feet. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to be associated with things that I disagree with, and I certainly don't want to be accused of discrimination or anything like that, and I also don't know what's out there when I share these types of things. So unless I'm extremely familiar with everything that is either on a, another person's social media or everything that's in a, a video or a book or blah, 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 anything that I share on social, I'm very careful because automatically people assume you're endorsing. Do You know, that's why people have on their Twitter avatars or their Twitter bios, retweets do not equal endorsement. But how many people go to that and read it and like, oh, they weren't endorsing this. They were just sharing it. So Steve Nash, he's been asked, of course, about this situation with Kyrie and he's trying to to find a positive. He's trying to be diplomatic about it.
6: I just hope that uh, we all grow through this together. You know, there's uh, there's always a, an opportunity for us to grow and understand new perspectives. Uh, I think the organization is uh, is trying to take that stance where they're going to communicate through this and and try to all come out in a better position and more with more understanding and uh, you know more empathy for uh, every side of this debate and, and situation. Yes,
2: yeah, so you hear Steve's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to understand his player. He's trying to look at it from all the angles. But against a social media mob, against the outrage, and if there is anti-Semitism, I can understand why there are people, Jewish people, who are upset about it. Why should the Nets have a player on their roster who's endorsing discrimination against Jewish people, who's sharing it as a matter of fact, and in some cases, maybe they think he's encouraging it. So I understand both sides of it. This is why I hate social media. It's yet another reason why I hate social media. Because before you know it, stuff goes viral and everything can be taken out of context or it assumes an identity and a meaning that was never intended. But I can't speak for Kyrie. I can't. And so I won't. It's just what a mess. And he seems to step into it over and over again because he's not careful and he doesn't necessarily consider the ramifications of his actions. And this whole idea of treating him like everybody else, please. If we treated him like everybody else, he would have been out of the NBA a long time ago. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio, also on our Facebook page. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
1: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hungry for a taste of the most delicious audio of the night? You came to the right place. It's time for Bite Me with Amy Lawrence. Here's Amy Lawrence.
2: After seeing Jaws over the weekend, (laughs) Jay just said in my ear, does this... Song and this music have a whole new meaning. Our our "bite me" introduction, yeah, it definitely does. People asked me how I liked it, so I haven't even had a chance to give you my review. I'll do that if I can squeeze it in at the end of this segment before we hit the top of the hour. But specifically, we want you to hear not only from Pete Carroll himself because he's finally opening up about this five and three start that is even a surprise to him. This even exceeds his expectations for the Seahawks through eight weeks. But it's not just Pete Carroll. We talked about this last night with Greg Bell, who's the Seahawks insider from the Tacoma News Tribune, and he indicated that this team loves Pete Carroll. They are all in with him. And there was a video posted on Seahawks Twitter. <laughs> it's actually Pete Carroll in the postgame locker room following the victory over the Giants and it was leaked and put out on Twitter as Pete gets the game ball for tying his idol Bud Grant in career wins.
7: What a day. What a freaking day. Your whole club, your whole club played ball today. Everybody, everybody, everybody was focused. Everybody was tuned in. And you know what that left us on the end of this day? First place to the reasons why, but we were plus one, we were plus one on the day, that's a hell of a job. Alright Locke, are you ready for us one time? Here uh, we,
1: we go, here we go. Pete's not into this you guys, game balls, but great team win. Today Pete ties his idol, the great Bud
3: Grant. At 168 wins, 18... All tight! All tied!
6: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: winning makes everybody happy. It's much easier to come together as a group and have chemistry when you're winning. But this Seahawks team, they've got to know what people said about them before the season. That they were going to be in the basement of the NFC West. That Geno Smith as our starting quarterback was ridiculous. Why didn't make they make a trade? Who the heck do they have on defense? Blah, 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 blah. And now here they are. They're 5-3. Pete Carroll's finally responding to the doubters. Though he was a little calmer on Monday when he was asked about the Seahawks success through eight weeks.
7: We're moving in the right direction. You know, we've, we've had... Uh, A few weeks of some success here that uh, we're building on and it's been it's been obviously different than it was in the first five weeks I think you could see a change and and we can feel it so it's it's happening so we just got to keep building and trying to you know find ways to keep improving and minimizing the mistakes and and, and all that so we're we're going in a good direction we have to keep it rolling
2: When I spoke to Greg Bell on Sunday night, I asked him why Pete Carroll has been so adamant about Geno Smith as the starting quarterback. And remember, going back to the spring and the summer, what did Pete Carroll tell us over and over? Geno's our starter. Geno's winning this competition with Drew Locke. Now, Greg said there wasn't ever really a competition. This was not an actual QB competition between Drew and Geno because that's how convinced... Gino he was Pete was that Gino was the right man for the job I asked him why he said he doesn't turn the ball over the way that Drew Locke does Drew may have a higher ceiling but Gino takes care of the football he's smart he's in his early 30s and so yeah Pete is ready to address those people who call Gino start a fluke.
7: I'm not paying that much attention to what everybody's saying right now, uh, but I would bet that there's somebody taking that slant on the things, or somebody who said that there's no way he's going to ever be able to play is still trying to cover their tracks on it. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's won everybody over. I don't care, and, and it doesn't matter to us at all. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. He's 32 years old and he's playing football for the first time in four or five years. So he's maybe he's 26 years old or 27 years old, you know, you know, body wise. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) he's handling it great and and hanging in there. And and, uh, maybe there's somebody has that that perspective. But uh, we certainly don't around here.
2: I've been impressed by Gino's maturity. Uh, he actually dedicated last night's win to the guys with the New York Giants who gave him an opportunity. Remember, he was with the Giants uh, as one of his stops along the NFL. Um, but Pete was asked whether or not Gino ever goes the I told you so route, whether or not he ever – Claps back at those people who said his career was done, or this was a ridiculous idea for Carroll to ride into a season with Gino as his QB one.
7: Never, not one, not one flinch in that direction at all. Would he have that in mind? Maybe some, maybe he does. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. There's times when he thinks about it. He's a great competitor, you know, but um, he's he's just what he's saying, he's doing, and he's telling you guys what how he sees it and and how it, it it's. You know, it's, it's kind of played over him, and he's just going and, and, and playing football and having fun, doing his job, and, and uh, making the most of it.
2: Good for Pete Carroll. I, I think he is incredible. The crazy energy. He's always walking and running somewhere on the sidelines with a purpose, like he has some place to go that isn't just back and forth. He's so supportive of his guys. He's having so much fun, and... They love it, as you can hear in that locker room video. By the way, the Seahawks are fourth in the NFL in points scored per game, 26.3. They're also giving up a lot of points per game, and that's really the big focus for them right now is their defense. They're getting uh, more and more time with Bruce Irvin. Um, They're obviously tweaking pieces of their defense, but if they continue to cut down on the points per game, if they play the way they did against Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and the Giants on Sunday, that's a major step forward too, right? Because they held Saquon to a season-low 53 yards rushing and only 2.7 yards per carry. This is the guy who's tops in the league in rushing the football, and they were able to put the clamps down on him. Uh, And so the the Seahawks, if they can run the ball and stop the run right there, that's a recipe for success. Run the ball, stop the run. We know they're running the ball now with Kenneth Walker. They lose Rashad Penny, and this rookie has stepped into that void. Can they continue to stop the run and continue to get better against the best running teams in the NFL? It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,